lovely notes of Giuseppe Verde mean time for another edition of Serie A Sit Down, a podcast delivered by World Football Index. And don't worry, we're going to have a much more open and honest opinion about AS Roma uh, than the uh, so-called experts offered uh, on a show provided by the so-called worldwide leader of sports. Uh, this is the place where you get it. I'm Frank Crivello. I'm glad you've clicked on and gotten stuck in with us. Uh, joining me as always, co-host Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. How are we doing this evening? Uh, we're doing great, but I, I just got to get this off my chest. I mean, Alejandro Moreno, and I'm calling them out, Craig, uh, Craig Burley, uh, Dan Thomas, and to an extent, Stevie Nipple. That was shortcut garbage, okay? you that is That is the opinion of four guys who don't watch Roma beyond the Champions League to make those comments. Roma are not a good team. Tell me how they're not a good team, and they won a Champions League group that had Chelsea and Atletico Madrid. And, oh, by the way, Atletico Madrid is going to the Europa League final. Okay, They saw off a very good Shakhtar Donetsk team who's responsible for eliminating Napoli and gave Manchester City some problems. They came back and beat Barcelona, and then they almost came back and beat Liverpool. A bad team doesn't do what Roma did this season in the UEFA Champions League. Shortcut garbage just because they have a Liverpool guy in Stevie Nichol that sits there on that. Those guys just collect paychecks and they offer shortcut opinions and they poison the minds of the people who even bother to watch their show. Your thoughts? This is why... This is, commentary like this from these four guys, especially the three, I, I, Stevie Nichol to an extent, like you said, but the other three guys especially, they give American and British uh, or um, English... Uh, analysts a, a bad name because it shows that they don't know shit um i mean really roma's a bad team if they're such a bad team why do they only lose by one goal and then you got you go ahead and give your ratings for the game a game that which roma won four to two and the average pl- average rating for the liverpool players are sevens and the four two loss yet the roma players are fives explain that to me how does that make any sense that shows me you don't know shit about the freaking sport i mean yeah, really? these are these are guys that sit there on that thing and they collect a paycheck that's what they're there for Okay, they 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 collect a paycheck. They run their mouth about a few things. They don't take the time to get themselves educated about the teams that they have to cover, and they just say any old thing because you know Craig Burley played before, and Steve Nichol coached before, and Alejandro Moreno played before somewhere. I never heard of Alejandro Moreno until he started doing uh, commentary for ESPN. All right, and then this Dan Thomas guy that they dragged out from 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 wherever. Okay. Um, you know, it was it's it, ESPN FC is a band of idiots, and uh, it's embarrassing. And if it, you know, if if you guys are if they are the worldwide leader, then come prepared. Okay, I stopped. I, I this is the first time I've listened to anything from them in eleven years. Back when they had the uh, Champions League final in two thousand seven, Richard, because yeah. Stevie Nichol was on that panel too, and he was bad mouthing Milan at, at halftime, saying Milan don't deserve to be ahead. And all of this other stuff. I'm sorry. Liverpool didn't go out and dominate that first half of that final. That was a balanced first half. Did Liverpool have a couple more chances? Sure. But Milan were the team that were ahead 1-0 at halftime. Okay. So, and it was just a big debate about a handball and that, you know, Milan aren't good at this, Milan aren't good at that. And then Milan go on and beat Liverpool in the Champions League final 2-1. So, that's what you get if you go and you want to poison your mind. You, I, I watched and listened to those guys, Richard. And there's never, there's not many moments in my life where I feel like my brains could just ooze out of my ears. When I listen to those guys, that's one of those moments. 
Yeah, exactly. And another one, another one you can throw in there who wasn't on this one, the Shaka Islop. He's the same, same stuff, man. I, I, I hate listening to these guys and I stopped listening to them because of reasons like this. It, it just, the stuff that comes out of your mouth are nonsensical. And it's the, the, the fan that knows the game will know these guys don't know what they're talking about. I mean, it's plain no, and simple. It, no, and it was just atrocious. It was very disrespectful to a team that I think were very, very inspiring to a lot of people, not just Serie A fans, okay? It was a feel-good underdog story. They pulled off the biggest upset um, in, let's just say it, this was the biggest, up- when they knocked out Barcelona, that was the biggest upset in the history of the Champions League, yeah. as far as I can remember. Okay, um, You have to go back to the Dinamo Kiev run when they had Shevchenko and Rebroff, that team, when they knocked off some big boys uh, you know, to get to the last four. I believe it was 99 um, you know, before going out to Bayern Munich, because I can't think of another team that just went on this incredible run. Villarreal, when they had Riquelme back in 2006. Okay, you know, you're going back trying to think. Well, who who's that Roma? Uh, you know, of all of those years past, and and to disrespect them the way they did. And let's face it, Alejandro, Craig, Steve, and Dan, you disrespected Roma, and you got the backlash you deserved from Twitter fans, from uh, Italian football Twitter, from Roma Twitter, and from all of us. You got what you deserve. Don't sit here and say, and, and, and Alejandro had some stupid comment about it. And I know Dan said something about, well, they're going to be, a, they're going to be even more offended when they find out that I like pineapple on my pizza. Fine. You like pineapple on your pizza. It's okay once in a while. All right. But don't sit here and be disrespectful to a team and just openly admit, Hey, I don't watch Roma that much. Okay. You know, but from what I've seen, you know, you know, just based on this, uh, on the strength of these two games, I wasn't ter- I wasn't terribly impressed and Liverpool were the better team and deserved to go through. If you want to say that, then that's fine. I have no problem with that. Liverpool put themselves five goals ahead in the first leg to start this thing. OK, but at least give Roma some credit for fighting back and making this a tie. All right. For, for taking advantage of Klopp, bringing off key players in the first leg to make this a, and, and allowing Roma to climb back in and make this a tie. All right. Don't sit here and take shortcuts and say they're not a good team. All right. We are watching. We are listening. We are educated. We are going to call you out. Period. Yeah. And this and this has nothing to do with Liverpool. We you know, we're giving credit to Liverpool. They they were the better team of the two legs. This is all yeah. about the commentary on that game. Especially yeah. those four guys. Yeah. I mean but they're so like in love with the Premier League. Okay, and I get it. It's got a huge following, a huge fanfare, and all this other stuff. But, you know, somebody worth any shred of dignity on that panel should have said, hey, congratulations to Roma. This is an incredible run from them. Considering everybody they beat on their way here, considering the problems that Roma has had through the years, even breaking through to get to the stage of a European competition, Champions League or Europa League, okay, it would have been nice for mainstream guys like that, quote-unquote mainstream, to make some kind of comment like that and say, hey, Serie A's got some promise. There's some teams doing some things here. Because for the uh, third time in four seasons, an Italian team has reached a, reached the last four at minimum with the other two seasons, Juventus reaching the final. Okay? Serie A's not a league you just walk over anymore. So... I just I had to get that off my chest. I know a lot of people were angry. I guess I just want to put I wanted to put the post mortem on it here, uh, and then and then we can move on a, on with our lives. I'm you you said you didn't see. I had to text the uh, link to you, and 
and I'm sure you're fired up about it now. Yeah, I'm glad I watched it when I got home and not at the restaurant because I probably would have cursed out loud and people would have looked at me strange and I would have kicked out of the bar or something. Yeah, it just it just blatantly disrespectful and and certainly deserves some you know Roma deserves more respect than they were given by a a show that I don't know what their ratings are like, but I've got to assume that since it's on such a you know popular cable channel here in North America that a lot of people watch it. So. Um, so to give that kind of, so hopefully you, you watch that, you're listening to us, and that you're getting the better opinion. I want to say congratulations to Roma, our friend Scott Monroe, our friend uh, John Solano, uh, and, and, and all of the Roma fans that are listening to our podcast. That was a hell of a run. And uh, to get to the last four, to push Liverpool um, when at 5-0 down in the first leg, you could have easily closed up shop and you didn't, um, that – that that that's gutsy, and and when you look at Roma's run in this Champions League, it's you look at the teams that they brushed aside to get to this stage. So, uh, Gel Rossi future is very very bright. A lot to look forward to uh, deep with Di Francesco as manager, with with Monkey there as sporting director, with uh, Pelota as the uh, as the uh, owner, and then you know the stadium. I mean, there's just so much in front of that team right now, Richard. Uh, that this could just be this is one of those things that could just be the starting point uh, of something that could be pretty special for Roma here over the next 10 years. Yeah, and uh, do us all a favor and sign Cengiz Under to a, an extension. <laughs> oh, please. Yes. What a player. So fun to watch him play. He has been a uh, he has been a very, very positive uh, uh, spark in this Serie A season. So that's our little monologue on just what we heard and just kind of having to get the record straight and just hopefully – you know, we don't expect any of them to listen to us, but we're going to straight. We were going to straighten this out, um, you know, whether they hear us or not. So um, we're going to open. Uh, we're going to talk about the uh, two games. We're going to talk about match week 36 is what we're really going to talk about. Uh, Richard and I will start by the matches that impact uh, the title race. Uh, and then we'll, uh, you know, we'll go through the rest of match week 36, give our thoughts on what happened. Uh, we have some listener questions that we want to answer. And then uh, we will finish with a preview of Coppa Italia, Juventus, and AC Milan uh, taking place Wednesday, May 9th. And that is at the Olimpico, right, Richard? I believe it is, yes. I believe they play it in Rome. Okay. So um, so we have, uh, we have plenty to talk about, obviously, coming into Match Week 36. A title race still very much um, in play, even though if you listen to last week's podcast, Richard and I were actually very pessimistic uh, about Napoli's chances of overtaking Juventus, in part because of Juventus having a home match here uh, against the Bologna team that, let's just say, um, you know, looking at their results, you could easily and safely say they have mailed it in. They've been safe for a long, long time. They'll be back in Serie next season. They just haven't been producing the wins and the results, um, you know, that, that would allow them to kick on and maybe jump into the top half, uh, you know, by all accounts, seem very content with uh, with where they are in the standings against the Juventus team, that this is uh, step one in the process of making it seven straight, or at least with what's left in the season. Um, and uh, this game uh, actually ended up being rather interesting. In the first half, uh, Juve were looking to play the ball across uh, inside their penalty area, was jumped on, and Daniele Dugani was the intended uh, player on that pass, but then he makes a mistake uh, and takes down. I want to say, Richard, that was Lorenzo Crisetti, um that he took down in the penalty area. I think so. I can't remember. I believe yeah. that's who it was. 
Okay. Uh, got a – Krisetig took the ball. Uh, Rugani takes him down in the penalty area. Clear penalty and a yellow card. Uh, a little bit of belly aching from people saying that should have been red. I mean, I, if, but if we're going to be – you and I are going to be consistent, Richard. We thought Koulibaly was a yellow last week and shouldn't have been a red. And the incident here, despite Rugani didn't kick Krisetig in the stomach, I mean – the incident's rather similar. They did, he, he, he really took him down from the side, didn't take him down from behind. Uh, Rugani sees yellow for this. Um, so, you know, by that rationale, I, I agree with the referee's decision to only give Rugani yellow there. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Uh, first, when I first saw it live, I thought it was a red card. When I saw the replays, I was like, nope, no, it was definitely yellow. A red would be extremely harsh, as it was last week for Koulibaly. Uh, but I thought it was a yellow, as I thought Koulibaly was yellow last week. Yeah, yeah, definitely agreed. And uh, Bologna would uh, certainly take advantage advantage of that opportunity on that penalty, uh, and that was scored by the man who has clearly been Bologna's best player this season. Battuta Buffon, grande freddezza per Simone Verdi, Bologna in vantaggio all'Allianz Stadium. And a gutsy penalty, Richard. Yeah. Ooh, against Buffon. So, uh, you know, that's uh, that, 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 that showing that the young man's got some confidence. Uh, the guy who can strike, strike the ball like that with both legs, uh, he's got to have confidence. So, yeah, yeah, good for him. If he had missed it, he would have been a GOAT. So uh, good yep. for him on getting that goal. Yep, absolutely. And that actually, believe it or not, Bologna up 1-0 at halftime. <laughs> and Crazy. Our friend Rafa, our friend Rafa was tweeting, and he—I think he said that if he, he mentioned uh, what was going on with the Juventus game to a friend and saying at halftime Bologna leads one 0 and I think the friend said to him, "Did the referees take the first half off?" <laughs> 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 oh gosh, we can't do it. Juventini are going to be now uh, banging down our door. So, uh, but uh, it—they it, come out of the break at halftime, and uh, just uh, six minutes into the second half, a ball whipped in by Juan Corrado. Uh, put away neatly at the near side by Sebastian Di Maio. Problem. Di Maio plays for Bologna, and he put it into his own net. Uh, that leveled the score at one apiece. Uh, Emil Kraft had a great chance to put Bologna back ahead, put it over the bar, uh, and uh, Bologna would be punished for it. Uh, up steps the influence of one Douglas Costa, and uh, his cross led to this. Asamoah per Douglas Costa. Che punta Mbaye, cerca spazio per il cross, lo effetto, scavalca Mirante, e che tira! Parte in vantaggio la Juve! Sammy Cadira with the tap in, that put Juve up 2-1, and to complete the party, they broke out the masks. Douglas Costa, parte in traversone, e arriva il gol di Paolo Di Bala! Per il 3-1 Juve! Paulo Dybala on the score sheet once again, just uh, six minutes after Cadira put Juve ahead. And put this one away. Juventus three, Bologna one. One step closer to a seventh straight Scudetto. Um, Richard, we can talk ad nauseum, and it's been made mention here. It's been made mention on the Calcio Consultant uh, about the officiating and some of the things that go Juventus's way, and you know, and all of this other stuff. But um, you know. They're still the best team in Italy, regardless of what kind of what kind of help they get. They're not only the best team; they're the most consistent team week in and week out. And the reason is because they're the best team. Um, they, they have thanks for that. That's enlightening. It's, I'm it's, sleep- it's a, it's, You know, see, that happens <laughs> when I watch ESPN FC, and then I, I get this my brain. Yeah, like, you know what I mean. 
Yeah, anyway. we've got to lift our intelligence somehow. So <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, no, Juventus are clearly the best team in the league, and they have the best depth in the team in the league as well. They when they rotate, they don't really have a drop in form. Uh, they continue on winning as they always do. Other teams, especially their rival, you know, they don't. We, we've talked to nauseam about how they don't rotate, and, and when they do, you know, there's nothing that there's no substance there to back that up, and uh, it gives Sari more reason to keep not. You know, rotating the players. Um, Juventus, though, they have so many good players, and players just keep stepping up. Douglas Costa in the last month or two has just gotten better and better, uh, finally getting accustomed to the Italian game, I guess. I don't know. Uh, he was definitely crucial for them in the Champions League run. And, uh, you know, Cuadrado is always making an impact. Um, but in this game, you know, it's funny because, you know, as good as Juventus were, I thought Bologna did uh, they did very well in, in, in keeping Juve at bay for most of the game. I think Marante kind of really uh, let them have a couple easy goals. Like he misplayed out the Kadira goal. Out, he jumped, uh, mistimed it completely. Uh, the ball goes over his head, and Kadira there with an easy tap in on the backside. Um, and then uh, on the on the Dybala goal as well. Oh, there's nothing really he could have done there. A brilliant play by um, Douglas Costa uh, to Dybala. So I'm not going to fault him there. But yeah, some plays uh, that you know didn't go their way and. Um, yeah, I mean, it happens when you play the best team in in, in Italy. Uh, you need to be perfect, and if you're not perfect, you're, you're going to lose every time. And uh, now, um, Douglas Costa's move to Juventus is permanent. Uh, Good. Back, Good for him. Back, at, back in November, this was made permanent. This is according to multiple reports. Um, but uh, uh, and it looks like Bayern Munich is going to cash in. Um, I, I think the. Uh, Let's see. The, the, it was a one-year loan deal. The terms that I'm, the way this is the way I understand it, and I don't know um, how solid this is, but it's a one-year loan deal. Basically, it's going to be a total of forty-six million euros, and I don't know if that's going to be another loan for six million, and then the forty million is going to get paid after the 2018-2019 season. But somehow, Bayern Munich's getting forty-six million for Douglas Costa's services. Um, too much, uh, a bargain or just about right for, uh, for what Douglas Costa brings to the table for Juve? Um, for Juve's sake, I mean, it's probably a little too much, just slightly, maybe in the thirties probably would have been enough, but, um, I mean, Hey, if he comes back next season and has like a 20 goal campaign, you're going to say that's, well, it was a cheap, it was a, it was a steal kind of like, uh, most a lot to Liverpool. Um, not that I'm saying he's gonna get to the level or anything, but he, you can see right. in the last month or so. His game is picked up immensely. Uh, he's taking on players one on one. He his name is more more. You see him more and more throughout the game. His name is on the score sheet with goals and assists. Um, he's looking like he's the perfect complement to Juan Juan Cuadrado on the left wing. Um, that could be a that could be a very uh, a very dangerous uh, team to face uh, with those wingers. Not only in Serie A because they're they're already so dangerous in Serie A, but also on on the European stage. Uh, sure. doesn't mean, doesn't mean they're going to get deep next year, but it's, it's something you got to worry about. As you know, Bayern Munich had, you know, Ribery and Robin. Um, at, they're obviously at, at a, a more an elite, uh, elite level, but, uh, still Costa is, uh, he's a, he's a good player. So, yeah. Um, I find it much just simply because of the depth that they have at that position. I mean, when you look at, uh, you know, they, they paid a lot of money for Bernadeschi. Um, you know, Juan Cuadrado, they signed to a contract extension. And yes, he's a very good compliment. Manzukic is still there, although his days might be numbered when you're taking a look at the, the players there. Um, and, uh, I, I wonder if they're going to regret it. I mean, I, I'm sure they're going to come up with the resources to, to, uh, 
to bolster their midfield, which is I, which to me is I, is the, uh, the biggest area uh, of need for them as they head to the summer. Are you convinced um, that Dybala will stay, though? I, I kind of see them trying to push the number 10 role on Bernadeschi. Even though he wants to be a winger because he's best at that, I think they're trying to push him to become a 10 role. Uh, and with this latest spat with uh, Dybala, maybe they look for a move or someone else comes in with an, an offer and Juve says, you know what, take him. Yeah, I mean, there's the there's that possibility. Um and Dybala is still I, – it's just it, – that's just a weird situation. He went from being the darling of, of Juve to now there's spats. And I don't know if it's uh, – um, you know, if, if, if this is a move that just kind of gives them some insurance so that if they ultimately have to sell Dybala and move on, that they've got the player in place. Um, it, it's interesting. Um, but, uh, you know, I – hmm. That's a that that's a way of looking at it for sure. And who knows? Uh, I've heard rumors that uh, possibly a return for Paul Pogba. Who knows? You never know. So uh, <laughs> if that if that gets played into it, it's, it throws everything out the window. So who knows? We'll get to it if it ever comes to fruition. Until then, we're not going to worry about it. Yeah. And the uh, latest thing that I've seen is that um, on on Juve, and I don't know how. I don't know what kind of legs these are going to get, but it sounds like there is a possibility that they're uh, seeking out uh, a duo uh, from PSG, uh, Angel Di Maria and Thomas Munier. Um, hmm. I don't know. Uh, that's that's Tuto Sport floating that out there. Uh, just the, the Di Maria one just does not sound right to me. Considering now, if they do sell DiBala, then I see this making. I see how this makes sense. Uh, Munier makes a lot of sense just because. You know who's there right now on that right-hand side. You're fighting between Lichtsteiner and Decilio. Um, I mean, and you've had to play Juan Cuadrado in the right-back position as well. So, um, you know, so that's the that one I I saw on Tuto Sport um, and uh, just kind of caught my attention. Uh, I was really just kind of looking um, to try to help answer a question that we're going to answer here a little bit later on uh, in the podcast. But um, going to be interesting to see. I mean, I. You know, we're talking about Juve pretty much as champions elect in our de- in, in in how we're discussing this, Richard. And I think that's because of the results of the other game uh, that affected the title race. Indeed. So we knew that Juventus won, and Napoli, if they had any chance to kind of get the Scudetto this year, they would have to basically win out and hope that uh, Juve don't pick up a result, uh, a three points uh, on the way there. So Juventus won the game. Napoli would are at home, so that's good, right? At San Paolo, uh, where they're always very good. They would host a Torino team who, as of late, has been very in form. Uh, they learn how to play defense somehow with Mazzari, and they're scoring again. Even if it's not Bellotti, they're scoring again. Uh, so this is going to be a very, a very difficult matchup for some, for, uh, at the San Paolo for Napoli. Um, and things got off to a good start for Napoli. In the 25th minute, there was a turnover by the defender, and I can't remember his name. Oh, it was Berdiso. It was Berdiso. He had a little, had a little old man moment moment out there. Old man Berdiso loses the ball <laughs> right in front of Sirigu, and uh, perfect pressing by Napoli. Dries Mertens gets it, gets there before Berdiso taps it in past Sirigu, and it's one nothing Napoli. Everything is looking great. Um, beautiful, beautiful press by Napoli there, um, and uh, I thought that it was obviously a mistake by the defender, but. It was caused mostly because the press by Napoli, um, Frank. I mean, this is an element of their game that goes underrated. Uh, you know, we talk about their possession. We talk about their 
you know, you know, some of their fluent passing and, you know, it's, and, and we've, we've also talked about how tired it's, it's kind of looked here in the last few weeks, but the, the press is a very underrated element of what Napoli do, uh, because when they do it and when it's effective, they, they create chances just out of winning the ball back. Um, you know, under Saudi's reign, they've scored multiple goals that way. And, uh, you know, here's a shining example. You have a, you know, you have a, uh, you know, you have a, a geriatric man in uh, Nicolas Berdiso up there. Um, a little, not, not as fleet of foot as he used to be in his heyday, and if, if he even had one. And, uh, you know, that probably, I, I don't know how uh, Mertens didn't laugh his ass off as he was closing that down. Um, and just, it was just a little one touch tuck into the back of the net. It's like he waited for Berdiso to take his touch and then just jumped on it. So, yeah. Um, I mean, it was a nice press by Callejon on the other side to, to press the other defender to force him to pass it to Berdiso, and then Berdiso just bobbled it. I don't know what he was thinking. Uh, and Sidigu probably wasn't expecting him to turn it over like that, too. So he, Otherwise, he would have came out uh, right. quicker. So uh, Good goal for Napoli. They would go into halftime with that scoreline, one nothing. Everything is peachy in, Napoli, in Naples uh, in this one, right? No, just 10 minutes into the second half, uh, Daniela Bicelli gets Torino on the board, 1-1, and... Uh, all the all the all the locals there in, in Naples were starting to wonder: uh, Are we going through this again? What's what's going on here? Um, but didn't have to wait too long. About 15 minutes later, the captain Marek Hamsik, uh, he would do good and score his seventh goal of the season with a nice looking uh, right footed shot curled into the to the far corner. Two one Napoli. Great skill on great great skill on that goal. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, because he missed his first touch and still had the you know presence of mind to you know to wrap around on that volley. Uh, great strike. Uh, it was, Go uh, ahead. It was, Sorry. It was be- no, I was saying it was a beautiful strike. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, we thought for the most part of the season that, especially lately, uh, Merrick Hamsik, his game has gone downhill. Uh, it, it just hasn't been the same all season. Yeah, he broke the record uh, of Maradona, but. Um, he still was. It just, something was missing. I don't know if age caught up to him or what. But in this game, he looked like a, a vintage Marek Hamsik, and especially with that goal, a beautiful strike. Two uh, one uh, late into the late into the game, things are looking like they may get to three points. Uh, Napoli continued to pressing. They were really dominating most of the game as far as possession and shots, as they do in every game. But it was just the finishing wasn't quite there. Two uh, one at this point, and then with ten minutes to go, uh, Lorenzo De Silvestri off a corner kick, I believe. Uh, gets a goal, ties the game up two-two. That would be all it was. Final full score, full time two-two. Napoli not only lose the win, uh, but they also not officially, but the scudetto is over. Uh, for them to win the scudetto now, right, Frank? Follow me. Yeah. Uh, Juve would have to lose both their games, both the next two games, and Napoli would have to win both their games. By a total combined uh, score of sixteen goals or more, so basically if they win eight goals, eight nothing each game, they may win the Scudetto if if Juventus lose both games. Or let's say, I mean, if like Juventus win or Juventus lose these last two games two nil, so that's a minus four there. Napoli have to win by a combined twelve goals, you know, to get to that. Yeah, basically, right. it's got to be they've got to they've got to have Miracles. a goal difference of sixteen better than. Yeah, I, I get it. But how um, interesting is this? Uh, it's a storyline that maybe Napoli fans don't want to hear, um, but very nearly uh, Juventus's city rivals very nearly delivered the title to Juve today, managed by a coach who was a former Napoli coach. So, um, you know, just a couple of uh, unique storylines there. 
Um, and how about Lorenzo Di Silvestri? How underappreciated is this guy? Um, yeah. And what a season he's had. He's got a lot of goals in the last in the, in the last month at least for for Torino. I thought they've been scoring a lot more goals and and he's been scoring them for them. So uh, yeah, great to see by him. Team of the season plug because right back, very possible. Can't very think possible. of can't think of can't think of many guys right now. So and you're saying uh, the, the rivals of Juventus basically basically gifting the the, the title to their rivals. Uh, it's really the last two weeks is Fiorentina another big bitter rival of Juventus. Right, you know, aided again uh, then by beating Napoli three nothing. So it's uh, it's not falling the way of uh, Napoli at, towards the end of the season here, and it's uh, you, you, be, you begin to wonder what else can they do or, or can anybody do to stop this Juventus train. Yeah, well, let's flip the script while we're talking about Napoli because, and we're going to use a couple of uh, we're, let's jump in and use the uh, the, the, the questions because we we reached out and asked for some uh, listener questions. So we won't devote a segment entirely to listener questions. We'll ask as long as we're talking about it. So. Uh, and I'll start with, uh, let's talk about Napoli first. Our friend Michael Lisi at AC Milan Michael uh, asked, will we see Napoli go all out this summer or do you think they take a step back? If it's all out, who are the targets? And uh, I'll let you uh, tackle that first. I have a couple of ideas, but I'd like to hear what you had to say. Who will Napoli target? It's funny because I was actually just talking to someone about this um, a Napoli supporter, and he was saying that he's heard rumors that Napoli or Dila, uh, the, the owner said that he was going to sign a 20 goal scorer of a, of a top league. Um, so the question is, what league are they talking about? Uh, we kind of guess it would probably be the Dutch league. And the player that I'm thinking is going to be is the first ever player from Asia to lead any European league in scoring uh, from Az Akmar. Uh, his name is Ali Reza. Uh, he's Iranian. Uh, he had 21 goals and 12 assists for, for AZ. Uh, in the Dutch league, so that's a name that could possibly go. And then there's another guy named uh, oh, I, I'm gonna chop up his name, but it starts with an A. Uh, I can't think of what it is. Uh, he's uh, Eastern European, maybe. I, I can't recall. Anyway, uh, he's what, in the Dutch league as well. So, what uh, uh, what team in the Dutch league? Oh man, that's you got uh, trying to think. I, I'll find it later. Not I'll say it later in the pod. I'll look it up. But uh, he's uh, that's a guy who I, I would think would go. Who I want to see at Napoli. Hmm, that's a tough one. Um, the question is, who can Napoli get that isn't going to be rather rather go to like a Juventus or someone else? Uh, the hard thing for Napoli is to attract these players, you know, uh, especially when the, when a, another team like Juventus is involved. They're going to look at Napoli, look at Juventus, and say, "Well, I kind of want the prestige in the titles, right?" Um, right. And it, that's really not how you really should look at it. You should really look at playing styles. If you're a player like uh, like say Di Maria, for instance. He'd probably be better suited to play with Napoli, just the way they play. Um, but you know, I don't think one Napoli could afford it, maybe. But uh, two, he'll probably go to Juventus because he wants. To, he just came from PSG and he and Real Madrid before that. Why would he want to go to Napoli when he can go to a, a prestigious club like Juventus? Is what he's probably thinking, not what I'm saying. Uh, sure. But, uh, I like that player from um, for Az Akmar and. Uh, you know, you, they got to look at, at at these lower leagues. Maybe try to find a stud. You know, they found Milik. Hopefully, Milik can pan out next year, uh, stay healthy, and get the goals because he looks like he he is a player there. Uh, and then maybe get some uh, look in the Dutch league or or the Belgian league and try to find some from some strikers that uh, not some people know of. And hopefully, the manager, if it's sorry, uh, will help start implementing some of these players. They got Unas already, uh, and Morog is on the bench. He's just itching to go he's not getting many opportunities uh no many starts so you know I'm, that's what i'm gonna say you know they got they got decent depth but they need some more strikers to to, to fill in uh and get some more uh 
some goals because obviously they can't get enough goals, right? <laughs> right, right. I did not. I could not find a guy in the Eredivisie who's a top scorer whose last name starts with A. Um, you mentioned Ali Reza. Uh, you know he's got 21 uh, for Azad Alkmaar. As you mentioned, there's Bjorn Jonsson from uh, Otto with 19. Um, you've got Ali Reza's teammate Vegorst on 18, and uh, Steven Berghuis at uh, 18 for Feyenoord. So not seeing. You know, after that, Marco Van Hinkle has 14 goals. In there, for him. wow! And uh, your boy Huntelaar, yes, thirteen. Well, that's enough. We we we've got an Eredivisie pod. We'll let them talk about. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think first of all, it starts with is Maurizio Sarri still there or not um, after the season? Because there's obviously a lot of things circling around. If uh, Sarri calls it quits after the season, if De Laurentiis moves on, if it's a combination of both, um, you know, certainly our friends at the Sempre podcast are very equipped to answer that question. Where would they go next? You know, and you can't really believe that a new man, the next manager, you know, let's just assume that it's not Saudi. The next manager is not going to be a continuation of what Saudi did. Um, so as a result, uh, to answer Michael's question, I think they take a step back just because it's going to be an all new project and they're not going to be able to, um, you know, all of a sudden just overhaul the squad that was built for what Saudi likes to do. And now you have to, you know, bring in maybe seven or eight new players, uh, you know, to fit the new manager's project if it's entirely different. Now, if you find somebody that can be a little bit of a continuation of what Saudi does, then there's not a whole lot you have to change. And you bring in, you know, a couple of players and you keep this thing moving. Yeah. I mean, and I heard the same thing about the striker. Uh, I think goalkeeper is going to be something that they look at as well. Uh, a lot of talk uh, throughout the second half of the season about uh, Mattia Perrin um, as, uh, as a possibility. So uh, going over from Genoa, uh, which would be a great, great get for them. Um, and then, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a matter of how much fight does this particular pool of Napoli players have left in them, Richard? Yeah. You know, yeah. continuing to chase this thing and continuing to come up short. You know, maybe a couple of players are ready to move on and a couple of new players are ready to come in to freshen this thing up a little bit. And I think that they certainly should consider going in that direction. Now, um, Jorginho is also going to be a hot topic because it sounds like there's a lot of interest in him, too. Uh, so, you know, it seems like there's going to be players moving on from here and what they do with that money and what they do with the manager position will really indicate if this is going to if, if they take a step back. I think naturally they're going to take a step back if there's a new manager. Um, but uh, you know, so I don't think it's an all-out situation, you know, with Napoli next season. And you know, I think that it's an issue where you see Roma getting better, you see Inter getting better, um, Milan are going to be better next season. I'm very convinced of it. It took a season to get all the players in place. Uh, and kind of get things going. Um, a lot more people fighting fighting for those places, and they're going to be better equipped than they were this season. This season, we automatically said it was going to be Juve and Napoli in a dogfight for the title, that nobody else was going to be ready. But now you have uh, stage two of Roma's project under Sari, or not Sari, under uh, Di Francesco and Monkey, uh, Inter's project under Spalletti, Milan's project under the ownership, uh, and, and with Catuso at the helm. Uh, so, 
you know, there are some teams that are really going to make a push and make a challenge. And I just can't see Napoli sustaining anything where they're going to make a title charge next season. So, um, and that kind of segues, uh, into the other question that we had that was related to this as far as the title race, uh, at FDL underscore XV, uh, our friends at, uh, the, uh, at Fossa de Leone, um, with Napoli squandering maybe the best chance in years, do you think anyone can challenge Juve for the Scudetto in the near future? Well, I just named three teams that I think uh, are going to be in the mix next year, Richard. Uh, yeah. yeah. Roma, Inter, and Milan. Uh, depending on what kind of business they do in the summer, Milan has talked about what a, 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 a 20-goal um, striker. Uh, they've talked about, you know, seeing I, somebody's, th- somebody's floating Benzema out there. I don't know if I'd really believe that. Um, Belotti is obviously going to be revisited. Uh, you have Inter. They're going to certainly fine-tune some of the things that they've done. Uh, can they keep Moro Icardi? That's going to be one of the uh, challenging questions for them heading into the summer. Uh, you know, and then Roma. They're going to they're going to build on what they did here. You know, uh, Jekyll may be moving on. Uh, it would be a good time to cash in on him. He's 31, 32. Um, so. Uh, if somebody wants to spend some money on him and 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 take him off of Roma's hands, Roma should certainly listen. You've got Sheik, who's uh, who's developing. He hasn't had the greatest start in life on, uh, at Roma, but he has shown his promise in this league. Um, and then, uh, you know, I think that they're going to continue to build. You know, build what they have. They'll they'll address they'll address the fullback position. I don't know if Bruno Perez is long uh, for Di Francesco's project in particular. Uh, how much longer is Daniel De Rossi going to play? Um, you know, so these are all three teams that are ready to take a leap forward, but they still have to answer a couple of questions. And then Juventus themselves, you know, Buffon retires, um, never underestimate taking that out of the equation in the dressing room. You know what I mean? Um, you know, never underestimate that, you know, uh, never underestimate losing that leadership. I mean, you saw how Juve were impacted with the departures of Bonucci and Dani Alves early in the season. There were some issues there defensively, and then they got it right. You know, um, Allegri, is he moving on? You know, there was a story, somebody is floating around a story that Carlo Ancelotti has reached out to Juve and said, I'm available if you want me. I don't know how true that's going, true that is, or if that's somebody just trying to sell some papers. Um, He did turn down the the Italy job, and uh, Roberto Mancini got that. Yep, and that's the other thing we'll talk about. We'll talk about Mancini and what to expect from Italy um, here at the end of the podcast, too. So, you know, so I, I, I think that, there, I think that Juventus is not as ironclad next season as maybe they have been in seasons past. Um, and I think that as some of these players continue to get older, that's going to be more and more the case. Uh, what are your thoughts as far as the Scudetto next season um, and uh, some of the teams that you think are in the mix? Well, the three teams that you mentioned are obvious, uh, obvious ones that comes to everyone's mind. Um, they're all having uh, very good seasons uh, at, different, at different points. Uh, Milan's getting strong now. Inter and Roma started out hot. Uh, they cooled off, but Roma have picked it up as of late. They, they, you know, they surged deep into the Champions League, uh, make it to the semifinals. Um, Inter right now are, are battling, trying to get their last Champions League spot with with uh, Roma. But the other team, uh, there's another team I'm, I want to throw in the mix who has been giving Juventus trouble a lot, and that's Lazio. If Lazio can find some consistency, um, they have the goal scoring to, to keep up with anybody. It's can they stop anybody from scoring? If if Inzaghi can find a way to shore up that defense, uh, maybe get some uh, more depth at their defense, 
Uh, they got a good goaltender in Tarkosha. Um, their attack is, is fine. Uh, you want to add depth? Sure, that's fine with me too. Uh, but not, Lazio have always given Juventus, or not always, but as of late have given Juventus problems. Um, they seem almost to have their number. And if you keep Immobile, uh, he's going to keep scoring goals. And they could be really someone to challenge, I think, in, in the Scudetto race next season if they can find some defense. The other three teams are surely going to be in it with, with Juventus. Uh, but I think Lazio is, is interesting in this is they can find a way to play defense. Kind of like the same problem with Torino. Uh, though Torino is not as good a goal scoring team as, as Lazio are. I think Lazio could be a player in this and it'll be a very, very, uh, interesting, uh, race next season. Um, with all four of the, all five of those teams. So, uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, I'm, I, I want to see what Inzaghi has planned for this summer. Yeah. It'll be interesting because, um, you know, there, there may be suitors for Luis Alberto, so that's going to have to be uh, looked at and addressed. Um, you know, there may be suitors for Stefan de Vries. Uh, there have been in the past. Uh, so, you know, we'll have to see, you know, if Lazio can hang on to their core and if they can add to it. So, uh, um, you know, and if they can build on the season. And right now they're in a fight for uh, for top four. So, I mean, we basically have ended this uh, Scudetto race. <laughs> so... Um, I mean, it's just uh, there's the, the, the scenario laid out. You laid out. There's no way that's going to happen because Juventus finishes with Verona at home. So even if they blow it up against, even if they struggle at the Olimpico against Roma uh, here in match week 37, they're going to win that game on match week 38, which will put this thing away. So, you and I can score Verona. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hell. Uh, speaking of which, we got to get into the rest of it, and we're going to start with uh, who Verona was a sieve to next. Okay, so uh, let's look at the rest of Serie A, and we'll start with the uh, first game that took place on Saturday, AC Milan, Hellas Verona. Uh, the Rossoneri rolled to a 4-1 win. Uh, very influential uh, per- performance from Hakan Chalanolu, and he scored the opening goal on 10 minutes. Patrick Cutrone getting on the score sheet in minute 32. It was 2-0 at half. Ignazio Abate, Richard, getting on the score sheet in the 49th minute. Very well-taken goal, by the way. Uh, yeah. Yep. It's uh, funny how Verona can make him look like a, re- a world-class defender. And a striker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Adam. I thought I thought I was watching Cafu out there. <laughs> so. It seems like the last four times uh, Ibate has scored, the team he scored on has been relegated. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's not a if 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 Ibate, if Ibate has scored on you at any point in the season, you should start to worry. Um <laughs> Uh Sing Wu gets a consolation for Hellas Verona. Boy, it was a good one. A nice little volley. Uh, from the top of the penalty area. And Fabio Barini, Richard, his fifth goal in all competitions for Milan. Five goals. Uh, if I told you we got Fabio Barini for $6 million and after you groaned, I said, but he's going to score five goals and six assists in all competitions, you'd be, you'd say, hey, that's a, that's a good return, right? Absolutely. Uh, coming from Sunderland like he did, and we weren't sure what we were going to get. You know, he's been a, tra- uh, a journeyman, if you will, and uh, we weren't sure that he was going to be any kind of a fit for Milan. But he's, he's one of the hardest workers for Milan, and, and, and he's – Contributed five goals and six assists. The goals have been uh, at times timely. So, yeah, I would that's a I would have been ecstatic if, I, if you told me that's what the results he would get. And uh, I'm ecstatic now the way he, play, he has played for Milan. Yeah, absolutely. He's uh, he's filled in and he's done his job when asked. And and uh, you know has certainly been has certainly been useful as, as somewhat of a you know a, a a rotation player, but someone that has certainly been of help uh, when Milan needed to call on him. So. Uh, Udinese and Inter was the other game that took place on Saturday along with the Juve win. Um, 
match number two for Igor Tudor. Inter fighting ferociously to grab a top four place and reach the UEFA Champions League next season. Uh, and it was all Inter, a 4-0 win. Andrea Ranocchia uh, with a nice uh, nice little redirection of the corner kick just got sky high. Um, Might have gotten higher than Icardi last week in Koulibaly two weeks ago. Uh, but uh, got the goal. And then uh, Rafinha, uh, just two minutes before halftime, put Inter ahead 2-0. And this thing was put away before that halftime whistle could be blown. Mauro Icardi steps up and scores his 28th of the season. And Borja Valero scores in minute 71 to give the Nerazzurri a 4 0 win. Um, Inter finding some form at the right time, especially with match week 38 looming in that big one against Lazio, which seems to be uh, a playoff for fourth. Yeah, that's going to be an awesome game. Uh, yeah, Inter are finding form, like you said, just in the right time. Uh, they had a, a terrible struggle there. Uh, Mid, middle part of the season, but uh, they've certainly regained of late. Maybe it's uh, all due to Icardi and Parisic getting back in form because uh, those two are the big catalysts for the team. Uh, but also, you know, the addition of Rafinha has helped, uh, and Kandreva's played a lot better, and Brozovic and the rest of the team. So, uh, yeah, Inter are getting goals now, and this is uh, this is uh, turning to be quite a race for the last Champions League spot. And also for the Capocannieri, because uh, we know Immobile gets some goals, and Icardi, he's now one goal behind him. So, uh, that last game between those two is certainly going to be a must-see TV. Uh, I know I, for one, am going to cancel any plans I had just so I can make sure I watch this because, you know, Lazio, they can score goals. Inter are in form. Uh, so it'll definitely be fun. Yep. Uh, and Inter hosts Sassuolo next. Uh, a a big one there and a chance for them to tack on another three points. They've had a nice, easy, uh, a, a relatively comfortable run here uh, down the stretch. Uh, huge relegation six-pointer, Kievo and Cotone, and this one went to the Flying Donkeys. They're flying again, Richard. Walter uh, Biersa in the 12th minute, uh, and then uh, the three points were secured in an 82nd-minute goal by Mariusz Stepinski uh, before Marco Tumignello, uh would get the uh, consolation goal here in stoppage time. Uh but Kievo getting the 2-1 win, getting out of the bottom three, moving to 15th, and level on points with Crotone and Udinese. Um, and uh, when we look at Crotone, we, let's look at their run-ins. Kievo traveled to Bologna, hosting Benevento. Uh, on paper, we got to think uh, that Kievo is safe. Uh, Crotone hosting Lazio at Napoli. Big trouble for Crotone. But, yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is big trouble for them. Um, you know, we 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 said for most of the season that Rolando Moran has got to go, and finally, uh, Kievo finally yep. pulled the plug. Uh, they got the new man Lorenzo Deana, and obviously Kievo respond. And the and their the rest of the schedule is favorable to them uh, for them to continue that the high that they faced that they had to, uh, this weekend. Uh, Crotone, on the other hand, they they faced two very good teams. Um, maybe Napoli is going to put in all their backups and, and uh, with the schedule pretty much lost, they're just going to play their backups. I don't see it. It, it could happen. Um, and then Lazio, you know, they, they do give up a lot of goals, but they score a lot of goals. They're a very good team with or without Immobile. Uh, Immobile just adds uh, more more goals than they already score. So, um, yes, Cretone are playing very, very well right now, but it's uh, they're not out of the woods. They need to find results. If they can get a point, um, a point or two, uh, for these two games, uh, it'll be good things. They need to find a ways not to lose. Uh, that means uh, all 11 men behind the ball, so be it. But uh, 
this is very difficult. It's as difficult as two games you can have in, in Syria. Uh, it's, and it's not what you want when you're in a relegation battle. Interesting one for me, though. It wasn't when Crotone on Match Week 38 last year won to survive at home. Wasn't that against Lazio? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they had some impressive results. You know, it was Inter, Juventus. I know Lazio was in there. I think that was the last game they beat Lazio on match week 38. Yeah, they may that may have been it. I know they had an amazing game, amazing game that they won and they 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 remained up. Um, yeah, it could have very well been. Uh, uh, as our friend James McGee from uh, Semper Inter, or Semper Inter, <laughs> excuse me, Semper Napoli says, uh, you know, these things in football have a funny way of uh, coming back and repeating themselves again. So uh, stay tuned for that one too, because uh, yeah, you never Interestingly know. Interestingly enough, can they? Can they win that fixture again for back-to-back seasons to ensure them survival? Uh, that will be uh, that will be quite interesting to see how that unfolds. Cotone uh, can do it back-to-back, and they can do it at the expense of uh, Lazio, uh, one of the top teams in the league. Pretty amazing. Uh, and then my little cluster finishes up with two teams that whenever they get together, Richard, they seem to score a lot, um, <laughs> which is strange when you consider how Genoa's games have gone this season. But whenever they hook up with Fiorentina, last season I think this fixture – was 3-3. It's been 3-3 before, uh, and it was almost 3-3 in this game. Uh, Marco Benassi would score first for Fiorentina, uh, but Genoa uh, would find a little joy here. Giuseppe Rossi, the former Fiorentina man, scoring on his old team in the 64th minute, and then four minutes later, Gianluca Lapadula uh, put the Grifone ahead uh, 2-1. Uh, Valentin Eisterich, who I thought we'd hear a little bit more from this season for La Viola. Uh, he would get the equalizer uh, on 77 minutes for Stefano Pioli's men and Brian Daba with the winner for the visitors to give Fiorentina a 3-2 win uh, over Genoa. Uh, a couple of talking points here. Uh, you know, first, uh, Richard, Fiorentina not going away in terms of their pursuit of still trying to grab a Europa League place. They're on 57 points in eighth place, uh, just three back of Milan, who sits sixth. Um just another impressive win for an impressive run that Fiorentina have been on since losing their captain. Um, we talk about it week in and week out, but you can't help but marvel at what they've done uh, since that unfortunate, uh, unfortunate tragedy. And um, but by the way, and we should also side note Genoa, uh, Davide Balladini signing a contract extension, so they're pretty happy with his work. The dentist chair will be in office next season. Yep, yep. The dentist keeps his job. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. But uh, Fiorentina, uh, I mean, we're running out of superlatives, uh, you know, when it comes to them, aren't we? Magisterial. No. Uh, yeah, no, they're, they're a very good team. Uh, and they've been really, really in form as of late, especially, you know, it, it, it's unfortunate a tragedy like that kind of helped kickstart the, the whole thing. But um, the way this team is playing, it gives you hope of what they can become next season. They need to keep these youngsters that they have. Uh, Giovanni Simeone has had a fantastic, is having a fantastic season. Yep. Uh, still a couple weeks to go. They need to keep him for sure. Um, and then keep the French, they have the French contingent there that's helping them get all the goals with Veratu, Eseric, uh, Toro, even at his, at his ripe age of 34. Uh, it's a very, very good squad and obviously all led by their talisman, uh, Federico, uh, by Chiesa, Chiesa, excuse me. Um, so it's a, yep. it's, they're a good team. They're playing to their potential now. Pioli seems to have found the magic with them to get them to play play very good. And uh, good for Stefano Pioli because we weren't sure if uh, he would be able to pull something off like this uh, with, his, with his squad. We saw what he, his struggles were with Inter. 
Um, this while the squad may not be as talented as Inter were, uh, it's def- definitely a good team there, and and it's good. it took a while for Pioli and his men to get to get going, but uh, they seem to be in stride right now, and they're definitely getting results. And hey, who knows? Do not count them out for the Europa League next season. Milan and Fiorentina on May, on May twentieth, match week thirty eighth at the San Siro could, could be a it. could be a sixth place decider. So. Um, Milan have a brutal stretch of games to finish up the season. They have the Coppa Italia final. Then they travel to Atalanta match week 37 uh, before hosting La Viola. Um, but Balladini, very much a well-deserved contract extension considering the considering what he inherited at Genoa and at least what he got them into, uh, you know, to, uh, to, to, to get them to make their way up the, the table. And uh, a top-half finish isn't going to happen this season, but uh, if they can – they can find a way to hold on to 11th. I think they'll take it. Absolutely, with the way the season going, where they were talking relegation for a good part of it, uh, it'd be a, a fantastic result to finish where they at 11th place or even better. Um, he is uh, what he's done at Genoa is uh, fantastic. And I think what his main goal, main objective, is to make sure that there's no way in hell that Mattia Perin leaves over the summer because uh, he's crucial for them. Uh, he is a very, very good uh, goalkeeper, and, and should they lose him. Uh, they're going to be losing a lot of. Uh, he 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 saved so many games for them. It's not. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah, their team played you know great defensively in front of him, but he stopped a lot of shots. Um, General could be in in a far worse place if it wasn't for him. So they need to make sure that he stays and doesn't go to Napoli, for instance, as the rumors or or wherever. Um, but um, good good that they're keeping uh, Bellardini. He's an excellent manager. Uh, he's proven it so far this year. And hopefully they continue to progress upwards and, and towards mid-table and even Europa League next year. Indeed. Indeed. So that's my uh, little cluster of games. And uh, you've got four to finish off this uh, Match Week 36 slate. Yes, we had some teams with uh, European aspirations next season. One Champions League, one in uh, Europa League. Uh, Lazio hosting Atalanta at the Stadio Olimpico. Uh, this one, would uh, we were expecting possibly a lot of goals. Uh, both teams are, are very high-powered as of late. Lazio all season, Atalanta, Atalanta since in, in the last month or two. Um, this game, the goal scoring started early actually. Uh, a youngster, Musa Barro, with a goal in the second minute. Uh, great little finish with him. Uh, Gasparini, uh, Frank, he just keeps finding these youngsters and they keep producing. He scored last week, I believe, and he's scoring again. Uh, Musa Barro could be, uh, a, a good striker for, for Atalanta in the future there. And attracting attention, uh, you know, getting off to a, a quick strike rate like this. Uh, there are some, um, you know, there are some teams that uh, that will certainly um, uh, take a look at them. Uh, last I saw, and uh, I don't have the source for this, but it sounds like uh, there's some Italian news sources that saying that there are four clubs that are scouting him. Uh, he's currently on a loan deal until June 2020. Um, who loaned him? Um, I want to say Inter, but I could be really wrong. Yeah, and they have Inter on that uh, radar as one of the teams. Juve as well, and then obviously uh, uh, Borussia Dortmund um, and Chelsea uh, also mentioned. I'd be very surprised if he went to Chelsea. I don't think they'd look in that direction, but Borussia Dortmund would make sense. Uh, I hope he stays at Atalanta, and I hope Atalanta finds a way to get him permanently. It looks like they have found... Uh, something with this guy and uh and yeah it's uh it's nice to see Gasparini and, and the folks at Atalanta continue to find talent and plug it in and they continue to perform 
Yeah, they need to keep Gasparini because he can he can do magic with with players. He keeps losing guys and just finds new guys to replace them. Yep. Um, so yeah, Atalanta jumped out to early one nothing lead. Um, things were looking a little scary at first for Lazio, but uh, you know they're never out of a game with their goal scoring prowess. Um, they would equal the game in uh, the twenty fourth minute when uh, Felipe Saicedo uh, got a tap in goal, uh, made a one one. Uh, and then, unfortunately, that would be all the all the goals would dry up. Frank, uh, yeah. well, would be dry. The game would end one-one. Uh, those two goals, notwithstanding, very very good strikes. Uh, but the rest of the game was very very tight. Um, Papu Gomez had his opportunities, could not finish. Uh, obviously, you know, Lazio were, were missing uh, Immobile, but Luis Alberto, you know, he after the, the assist on Saicedo's goal, uh, he had a couple of chances as well, but. Yeah, uh, one one. Uh, both teams are probably happy they didn't lose, but uh, also they were upset they didn't win because uh, you know Lazio are, are trying to get this last Champions League spot. As in Atalanta, they they lose a little bit of ground. Um, uh, Milan jumps over them, and and now they're I believe tied with Fiorentina for for the seventh spot. Uh, with Fiorentina having the advantage, I I think I could be wrong. No, Atalanta uh, have uh, Atalanta have seventh of themselves on fifty nine. Uh, Fiorentina are eight. Oh, two points ahead. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, it's uh, <laughs> with the way Fiorentina are playing these days, uh, um, Atalanta need to get all the points they can get, especially with Milan around the corner for them. So, uh, things are not going to be easy down the stretch. No, they're not. And then, and then the two Milan teams benefit from this result, obviously. Um, Inter with their win and Lazio drawing now cut that gap to two points uh, for fourth. Uh, and then Milan was able to leapfrog Atalanta. Uh, with that result happening, so you know they're the real winners out of this result. But um, yeah, I mean it surprises you. We thought maybe there might be a little bit of a struggle from Lazio without Immobile in there, but the guy we talked about last week, Caicedo, that he's he's more than capable uh, when he has stood in. He's performed and he has gotten some goals. So um, you know, so not terribly surprising to see he scored here, uh, but uh, very surprising that there was only two goals in this game. I thought I thought there would have been more. Yeah, and uh, you, me, and the rest of the world thought that. Uh, unfortunately, uh, did not did not happen. A game that had almost uh, had exactly amount the same amount of goals was Spal Benevento. Um, not quite a relegation six pointer because Spal are are safe for now. Uh, Benevento are in dead last place, as we all know. Uh, this game, this goal scoring was start in the twenty fifth minute. Alberto Peloski uh, would strike it, uh, give Spal the early lead to uh, one nothing. Um, and then it wouldn't be until a late penalty uh, by Mirko Antonucci in the 82nd minute that would seal up the two nothing victory. Uh, Benevento tried as they might. They they've been a little feisty here at the end of the season. Even though they've been doomed to Serie B, they've been playing a lot better. Um, which hopefully they can carry on to next next season and try to get their way back into Serie. A. Uh, but they did lose this one two nothing for Spal. Uh, much needed three points to help them even uh, worry less about getting relegated at this point. Uh, they're at 35 points and. Uh, it would take uh, it would take some very good results from teams below them to uh, to get relegated at this point. Frank, uh, is it safe to say that they're they're going to survive this season? Well, they travel to Torino and they host Sampdoria, so let's not um, let's not get carried away with them just yet. Those are, I, I think, a point, and they're good. Um, you know, out of those two games, they should be they should be fine. Um, but uh, you know. For a team like Spal, those are challenging fixtures, especially the way Torino's playing. And certainly, Mazzotti is keen on finishing this season out and having Torino finish the season on a high, despite that there's really not much that they can do. 
Now, Sampdoria away have been pitiful. I know you're going to talk that, about that in an upcoming game. Um, so there might be some happiness there for Spall and an opportunity to get something there. Uh, I, you know, safe for now, but they safe, but still some work to do. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah. And I think that's a good assessment. Um, he, he, we've seen this season that you can't really catch your chickens yet until, yep. uh, all, everything's been played because anything, every week something, something else happens and, and, the um, positions flip. So, uh, it's, it's good to wait, uh, at least, at least one more week before we can say uh, that they're safe or not. Let's see what they do next week. Um, next game is the Sassuolo hosting Sampdoria. Uh, as you said, Sampdoria has been struggling on the road this season. And at home, they play very well. But on the road, they just seem to lose their magic. Uh, and Sassuolo, they've been playing very well as of late. Um, and the guy who has been in form, Matteo Politano, he would haunt them. Uh, in the 68th minute, Matteo Politano would score, give Sassuolo the lead. And frankly, that would be all the goals they would need and the only goals they would get. Uh, the score would end one nothing. Sassuolo with a with a big three points there. Uh, they they've been playing a lot better to hear down the stretch. Frank um, getting some wins here. I wouldn't call this one impressive, but uh, a good win nonetheless. And just adding to the uh, pitiful away form from Sampdoria, um, and 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 really what's hindered them, um, you know, in their ability to stay in the hunt uh, for a European place. I mean, they're pretty much eliminated from that. Uh, at this point, sitting in ninth on 54 points. Um, and we got to try to understand the permutations with the Coppa Italia and Milan's role. If seventh gets in, if Milan can win, you know, you know, something like that, then, you know, mathematically they're still in it. But just the way they've struggled on the stretch away from, uh, you know, away from the Luigi Ferrari has been astonishing. And uh, for a team, that, you know, that boasts some pretty good quality players. And it's... Uh, you know, it's 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 head scratching that they struggle against a team like Sassuolo even uh, on the road. But Sassuolo, like you said, Politano in great form. We, you know, the the, the win for Sassuolo is huge because they confirm their place in Serie A next season. There's no way they can be relegated yep. uh, on the point total they're at. Uh, but so help me God, score more than 27 goals, man, with those guys. <laughs> uh, I mean, they're 12, but they're pretty much 12th by default, aren't they? Yeah, everyone else is just playing worse than they are. That's a, that's the only reason they're there. Um, you know, Kievo was dropping for a while, and uh, Udinese and their and their current and their current downfall. So uh, the other teams are making them look better than they are. Exactly. Exactly. Well, uh, the last game on the on the docket is a team who just uh, fresh off a Champions League semifinal defeat, Roma. Uh, they would be on the road against Cagliari in this one. Um, the hosts uh, at the Sardinia Arena would be very rude hosts, and they made it, you know, they were playing very tight at the beginning, but, you know, we have that Turkish player that we've, we've been talking about that uh, we said Roma should extend, uh, Cengiz Under. Uh, he would get the goal in the 15th, a beautiful goal. Did you see this, Frank? Um, he kind of did like a little stutter step on the defender, kind of faked him out, and then took a shot far corner. Uh, he'd get the goal for Roma in the 15th minute, one nothing. Yeah, he uh, just Lovely he- strike by him. He passed it into the corner. I mean, yeah. I think he took power, advantage of. Yeah, he took advantage of the uh, the goalkeeper can't see it. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and have a go. I'm just going to tuck it in. Uh, you know, and uh, yeah, clever goal. You think uh, at this point that Roma are going to run riot? Uh, but Cagliari, they they stood tough uh, despite being where they are in the table. They 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 tried to they tried as hard as they could to get a point in this one, uh, but it was for not. Roma walked away one nothing victors. 
the win uh, for Roma sees Cagliari now into the relegation fight with Udinese, which kind of leads to our uh, one of our viewer questions, Frank, right? Yep. Well, listeners. Listeners. I don't want them to see me. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants anybody to see us. Uh, anyway, so Scott Monroe, our good friend, he asks us, Udinese or Cagliari to take the final relegation spot? If we look at the table right now, Cagliari uh, currently is in the relegation spot uh, with 33 points. One point ahead of them is Udinese with 34. Then Crotone also has 34 and Chievo, while Spal sits at 35. So who do you like? Do you like uh, Udinese or Cagliari to go down to Serie B? Goodbye, Cagliari. any of those. Goodbye, Cagliari. Um, at Fiorentina, home against Atalanta to the finish. I, I, and, and, and the way they're going, I don't see any points. Um. I mean, all you these know, teams, frankly, could be relegated the way they played this season. But well, exactly. Uh, I mean, Godly. Udinese go to Verona and they host Bologna. They're going. I mean, as as crap as they've been, they're going to get something out of that that'll help them stay up. Um, Cagliari, I, I I don't see the I don't see any points for Cagliari. Um, and and Crotone, we just got done talking about. They've got a tough one hosting Lazio at Napoli, but they may not have to worry because Cagliari may not end up getting any points. Yeah. Uh, you know, with the two games that they've got left. So we, I think Kievo's is fine. I think Spall, Spall, Spall has work to do. Kievo has work to do, and they better take care of their own. But I think they're staying up. Um, Bologna is mathematically could still be a factor, but there's just no way they're going down. Um, you know, but Spall, Spall and Kievo just from, you know, just from a schedule perspective, um, I mean, Spall really only need a point, and I think they'll get that point. Kievo's in great shape from a scheduling perspective. Crotone's got some challenges. Um, Udinese should get something out of their last two games at, at Verona, hosting Bologna. But it's Cagliari. I, those are two teams that are fighting for a European place. Um, and going to Fiorentina, the way they're running, there's no win there. Um, and they may have to take a look and see what's around them to see if there's even a prayer for them to stay up, um, you know, by, uh, you know, by, you know, on, on that last match week uh, when they host Atalanta. Um, I, I, I think the three, you know, I, I said earlier, I thought it could be Crotone, Verona, Benevento in my blog. But now that things have occurred the way they have and just kind of looking at the schedules, I can't see Cagliari getting out of this. I don't see where the point's coming from. Yeah, it doesn't look good for them unless they can find Marco Borriello and uh, get him on the team officially. <laughs> yeah, I don't think sure. it's going to happen. Uh, yeah, they, they they for a long time they've struggled with defense, giving up goals galore. Uh, at least last year they had a goal scorer. This year they don't even have that. And I and their goal difference where... and their goal difference is awful compared to the rest of the teams. The other teams are just going to have to be destroyed. Yeah. Um, you know they're they're minus thirty, where the next one is Crotone at minus twenty five. And Crotone play Lazio and Napoli to end the season, so it's theoretically possible. But right. again, I I think that Crotone is going to Crotone is going to survive just because Cagliari won't be able to get any more points. So yeah, Crotone have, Crotone have two more points than than Napoli, or one more point than uh, Cagliari is right now. And, and like you said, the, uh, where are those points going to come from? I don't see it happening unless there's a major major meltdown by the teams they're playing. So. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of agree with you that Cagliari looks like the team most likely to to fail. Yeah, Udinese they do got Hellas uh, down the stretch, so that that should be a game that can win. Uh, but uh, I'm with you. Cagliari is going to be going down, I think. And uh, it's, it's a long time they've been in Serie A, so uh, yeah. Um, hey, if they want to if they want to get back up, they're going to have to fight because there's a lot of good teams in Serie B. 
Yep. Indeed. Indeed. So, uh, so yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're definitely, uh, on, on the same wavelength on that one. So yeah, Spal, Kievo, Udinese will find ways to stay up. Crotone could probably, if, if, if there's anybody that's, uh, that I would pinpoint other than Cagliari, it would be Crotone. I, I think Udinese is going to find a way to get the points to stay up here. It's crazy to say with the year, with the, with the, with the, with, with, with how 2018 has gone for them. But, um, you know, I think things are going. So Sonia Misio, if you're listening, don't worry. We think you're safe. So, um, so yelling at us now. <laughs> yeah, well, that's just it. She, we probably, she probably thinks we jinxed them, and you know, that's that. So, um, but uh, y- your guys' thoughts on the relegation fight because 14th through 18th is separated by two points. Uh, go to Atsedia, sit down on Twitter or Instagram, uh, and let's move on to some other news. All right, we'll get to the Coppa Italia in, in a second here, Richard. Um, but uh, one thing we do want to touch on that we talked about a little bit earlier, Italy, uh, after uh, months of looking and, you know, uh, after their failed courtship of Carlo Ancelotti, uh, are hiring Roberto Mancini uh, to succeed Giampiero Ventura uh, for the national team position. Uh, Roberto Mancini, obviously... You know, known for uh, for his time at Inter and winning uh, some Scudetti there, uh, winning the uh, Premier League at Manchester City. Um, didn't really look up to see how he had been doing at Zenit uh, this season. You know, prior to this, but he will be the uh, he will be the Italy boss, and um, I I think I, I think my opinion on this is it's a wait and see approach. Not sure about him, huh? Well, I know he's a successful manager, okay? Um, but when you take a look at where he's been successful, he's had the luxury of getting players that he wants. Um, now he's going into an environment where he has to work with a pool of players and he can't go and buy someone to make it better. You know, um, that's, uh, that's where I have the, that, that's where I'm a little bit timid about it. Um, you know, in terms of being able to get the most out of his players and the most out of some of the egos, yes, he can get it done. But when you're talking about an Italy that's now looking to the future, um, you know, and looking to their younger players, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be cautious about this. I'm going to take the wait-and-see approach. I don't think that Italy's all of a sudden back on top of world football with this appointment. But I also don't think they're going to be worse um, or as bad as they were under Ventura. So, um, I think there's upside with what Mancini can do, but I, I think it's going to take some adaptation from him. Um, you know, in terms of the environment, in terms of how often he has access to the players and some of this other stuff and, uh, you know, and how quickly will the player pool that he selects from or that he selects, how quickly will they buy into the, to, to what he demands of them? Yeah, that, that that is the question. Um, I can kind of see why he left uh, Zenit. Uh, currently sitting in fifth place, uh, ten points off the lead. Um, hey, I get it. The Russian language is hard. Yes, now you Yagovdiu Paruski. But uh, sorry about that, Frank. I had a man dropped it in there, but uh, <laughs> uh, my mother is gonna... a saint. How dare you? <laughs> um, Mancini is gonna. What I think he's gonna do better than 
than Ventura, obviously. Uh, he's going to bring in names that people haven't heard in a while. Mario Balotelli uh, it will be definitely one because he's, he's handled him before. You think he's going to bring in Balotelli? That's going to be the other one. Okay, I do. I think. I think uh, based on his current form, he's not. He's going to. He's. He knows what he has with Balotelli. He, that's not going to be something he's not sure of. Maybe. Maybe, maybe Ventura didn't pick him because he wasn't sure what he was going to get with him. Uh, Mancini will definitely know what he has uh, with Balotelli, and he he will try his best uh, to try to um, wrangle him in, if you will, because he knows what can what works for him and what doesn't. Uh, for the most part, but it's hard to say that Balotelli, but uh, Balotelli is deserved. Uh, look at the goal he scored against Marseille today or this weekend. Now uh, it was a beautiful strike there, going against three players. Um, he has that in him, so he he is a player that uh, Italy need. You see what they did in the past uh, with Balotelli in the lineup. So, yeah, so you know you heard Balotelli's name. Uh, hopefully, oh, well, Zaza's having a you know a very good season. I don't know if we want to hear his name again. What uh, Mancini will be able to do is they bring a lot of old names in, that uh, we haven't heard in a while. He'll he won't be as uh, stubborn as Ventura was. With he'll know how to play against these bigger teams, and uh, I you know I I see better results for Italy than we did with Ventura, and it won't. I'm I'm, I'm waiting to see like you are, but I think that. Uh, the results will be much better, more aesthetically pleasing than it was with uh, Ventura. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's one that I'm willing to give time to. I'm, I'm not enamored with this. I'm not. I'm not enamored with this hire. But at the same time, I'm, you know, with what might actually be available. And you know, they were going to hire an Italian. Um, this was probably this was probably the most logical after Ancelotti said no. So, uh, so let's just see how it works. Um, and then we'll finish up uh, on Wednesday, May 9th, Coppa Italia final, Juventus, Milan. Juventus going for a fourth straight double. Milan looking to get a trophy uh, to give some sense of validity uh, to the new project with the new ownership group, uh, with Reno Gattuso as manager. So a lot to play for for, for both of these teams uh, in a one-off final. Richard, give me a, a key for Juventus and give me a key for Milan. Uh, key for Juventus, uh, play this as you played every other game this so far this season. Uh, uh, go at them, play, you know, force the team to make mistakes. Uh, you, you, you're Juventus. You don't, you don't make them any mistakes. Force the team, you know, you're going to have boss possession like you, like you normally do. Uh, have the ball out there. You, let your playmakers be playmakers. Um, Allegri will have his tactics spot on as he usually does. Um, and so, if they if they do if they play if they play like they normally play you know Juventus should win this game now for Milan that's a that's a different subject uh you you, you know they've been playing very well as of late but in and and games recently they haven't quite you know lived up to uh you know when they played Juventus earlier the season or a couple weeks ago uh they fell just short um what 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 can they do well clog that midfield uh, kind of take a page out of what uh, Real Madrid did, uh, at least in the first leg, not necessarily the second leg. Uh, but you clog up that midfield, I think. Uh, uh, you should be able to, you know, uh, throw off Juventus just uh, just enough where you can maybe get a counterattacking goal. Uh, and for God's sakes, please don't start Kalinic. I don't know if he's healthy enough, but don't start him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't don't start Kalinic. Take advantage of your chances. Really, I mean, it's it sounds cliched, but but that that it's 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 no more uh, relevant than it is when you play Juventus. Yeah, you don't know uh, how many opportunities you're going to get. Right. Um, make them count. 
make possession count going forward. Nothing cheap. Um, you know, you know, be smart. Don't give them anything easy. I think that when you're the underdog, don't make it easy for the opponent is, is your first priority. So, um, and then for Juventus, um, you know, more of the same with Douglas Costa. Okay. Uh, and, and play him out on the left. If he, he has the advantage to me over who Milan's right back is con- considering his current form, uh, whether it's Abate or, or, or anybody else. Um, so huh, I'm going to wear the red and black glasses and say Milan win this game just because I'm going to go with the old, you, it's hard to beat a team three times in a row in the same season. And Juventus won the first two games. But I think we saw improvement with this Milan team uh, in the loss to Juventus uh, the second go-around. Let's remember, they were very close to actually going ahead in that game um, through uh, Chalhanalu uh, when he hit the post in the second half uh, at the J. I believe that would have put them ahead. If not, that would have tied the match. But anyway, um, so uh, continue that progression. Seem to be finding their, finding their legs a little bit, albeit against Bologna and Verona. But six goals in the last two games is going to help draw some confidence. I'm going to wear the red and black glasses and say Milan spoil Juventus' bid for a fourth straight double. I'm going to say Milan two, Juventus one. I don't find Juve's defense to be as airtight as it was earlier in the year. And you think Gigi starts in that one? I think. Or is it Chesney? I think Gigi starts. I yeah. his last yeah. his last Copa Italia. Uh, I think he starts. Yeah, I think I think it's pretty much a safe it's safe to say that. Uh, but you never know with Allegri, right? Uh, yeah, if you look at results, um, you would think the the main man would have to be Chalhanalu uh, for Milan. He's been playing very very well as of late. And I think that's an advantage for Milan, uh, by the way, because yeah. who's who's going to play right back right now for Juve? It just seems like Allegri is throwing ideas, throwing crap at the wall, and trying to see what sticks. Yeah, I think uh, if he can get a goal early from Milan or anybody from Milan getting goal early, it would make things very interesting. Uh, the, the key is if Milan can score early, they can they would throw Juventus off their game plan, and then it, it would be you know who who wants it more at that point. And then at that point, I can see Milan coming away with a like I said a two one victory. Or I don't think it'll be one nothing. I think Juve will have some goals in them. Um, but this thing could go into extra time. It very certainly could. Uh, hopefully, we don't see penalties. But uh, uh, I like to say outright winner and. Who do I want? Who do I not? Who do I want? Who do I think is going to win? Um, I'm going to also wear the Milan glasses. Uh, yeah, you know, three uh, three wins in a season is very hard. Um, Juventus they they won the they won the Scudetto basically, and they're going to be um, sure they like the double. But I think Milan and Gattuso are going to find a way to uh, to get this and uh, bring bring back a title to Milan for the first time in. I don't know how long, six yeah. years. Yeah, I mean, just as far as the actual with what's within the trouble, they did win the Supercopa uh, last year under Montella, but uh, but that's kind of one of those secondary kind of trophies. So yeah, um, you know more than anything, but yeah. So yeah, let's see, let's see if Milan can actually pull it off. Who do you think wins Copa Italia? But at Serie, sit down on Twitter or Instagram with your prediction, and that will put a bow on this edition of Serie. Sit down. Uh, Richard, want to give a shameless plug for anything? Or yeah, uh, so uh, 
last uh, on Wednesday, I was actually on the Kings of Europe podcast uh, with Critty oh. Smith and a bunch of the guys there. So check that out. That is out now. Uh, we talked uh, Roma, Liverpool. Uh, we talked all codes. We talked Serie A and then uh, maybe a little Bundesliga as well. So um, definitely check that out. It's a, it's a good podcast. Definitely give them a follow. Um, and then, you know, you can find me on social media at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Yeah. I'm at FTC underscore 21. Uh, nothing new on the Calcio Consultant front. I, I will have a season-ending edition uh, for you to read and enjoy uh, once the season is up. So um, otherwise, you can go to at City I Sit Down or on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, give us your thoughts, ideas, questions. Uh, help us make the pod. You know, if you if you get an idea on, on, on how we can make the podcast better, uh, we'd love to hear it. Um, we think it's pretty damn good, so we may not listen to you, <laughs> but uh, but nonetheless, uh, you know, we do thank you for taking the time to listen to us. Um, keep on listening and keep on telling your paisans about us. Ciao. Thank you.